host of the Set Apart Podcast, Biblical Encouragement for Women of All Ages. This week, we're going to continue the Christ-Centered Mentoring Series, and I want to talk specifically about boundaries. Boundaries is a popular concept today, and I want to really take a look at it from a biblical perspective. In our last few episodes, we've talked about that poured out life becoming a channel of blessing to others, and the thought comes up probably pretty often, when do I set boundaries around what I give to others? And especially if you're in a mentoring situation, it can be really easy to feel bombarded and kind of controlled by those you're seeking to minister to. So let's talk about that from a biblical perspective. Before we dive in, I wanted to remind you that this is a great time to register for our 2023 Set Apart Conference. It's happening June 16th through 18th in Windsor, Colorado at our Ellerslie campus, or you can join us via simulcast anywhere you are. And right now is a great time to register or gift the registration to someone else. You can save $20 off registration with our early bird pricing and an additional $20 off if you register a group of two or more. So make plans now to have a mother-daughter getaway or a sister weekend or a girl's retreat. And this is just a powerful weekend for women of every age. It's a highlight of my year, and I'd love to see you in Colorado and have you join us for this event. Also, this is a great time to subscribe to our Set Apart magazine because as you head into a new year, it can really keep your focus on what truly matters. This is such a beautifully designed resource that is just rich with powerful truth, and it makes a great gift for others and a way to just share the set-apart message with other women in your life. Go to setapartgirl.com for more information on both of those things, or just click the links in this podcast description. Let's talk about boundaries from a biblical perspective. As I mentioned, boundaries is kind of a trendy and popular concept. Things like self-care, authenticity, dialogue, conversation, boundaries kind of fits in with those trendy notions. And each one of these popular notions has two sides, a truth-based side and a counterfeit or cultural side. So for example, self-care. Self-care can be a healthy and biblical concept. Paul says in Ephesians 5.29 that we were created not to hate our own flesh, but to nurture it and cherish it just as Christ loves and nurtures and cherishes the church. So we have this instinct that we've been given to take care of the body that he has given us and not be abusive toward the body that he has given us. But Jesus also says in other verses that if we want to be his disciple, we need to deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow him. Paul says that he beats his body into subjection so that he doesn't become disqualified from being a follower of Christ. So clearly there is a balance between caring for the body that we've been given and also being willing to lay down our comforts, our health, our security, or maybe even our physical beauty in order to follow him wherever he leads. And we've talked about that in other episodes. If the Apostle Paul had looked out for his own self-care more, maybe he wouldn't have been stoned or shipwrecked or beaten with rods or imprisoned or spent a night and a day in the deep, to name a few. And he says, I bear in my body the marks of a follower of Christ. So he exchanged his right to comfort and self-care for the privilege of suffering for Christ. So there we see that balance of, yes, self-care can be good and healthy. It's not that we're meant to abuse the bodies that we've been given. We are meant to nurture and care for them. But we're also meant to deny the desires of our body in order to follow Christ. And if it comes down to that choice between self-care and the privilege of suffering for Christ, choosing that suffering is the higher road that we're called to. Or this idea of authentic relationships or authenticity. That's another trendy concept that also has both a true side and a counterfeit side. 
On the biblical side, we are called to speak the truth in love, to be honest, to tell the truth, not to be deceitful, not to be false or hypocritical. But then on the counterfeit side, whenever we throw godly discretion out the window just for the sake of being real and authentic, we're not really walking in truth-based authenticity. We've talked a lot on this podcast about Mary, the mother of Jesus, who it says she kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. She had that amazing quality of discretion. She wasn't being inauthentic. She was being discreet. And God mentions this in the Bible as a healthy and good concept and lifts her up as an example. Another example is dialoguing or being conversational. That's another really trendy idea. And that's that's kind of morphed into the church in the area of like witnessing and evangelizing and sharing truth. We need to be very conversational. We just need to enter into dialogues with other people. When we engage in relevant dialogue with another person to point them to Jesus, it can be very effective and very life-changing. But if we take a flimsy approach to conversations that kind of says, I don't have the answers, you don't have the answers, let's just share our feelings and opinions. That can be deadly because we've taken God's rock-solid truth out of the picture. So again, dialoguing conversational discussion has a truth-based side and a counterfeit side. So the same is true with boundaries. There is a healthy truth-based way to set boundaries around your life, and there's a flesh-based counterfeit version of setting boundaries that doesn't reflect the nature of Christ. When it comes to mentoring relationships and ministering to others, it's critical to understand the difference between true boundaries, according to a biblical perspective, and counterfeit boundaries. It says in Ecclesiastes that there's a time to speak and a time to be silent, and it goes down the list of there's a time to do this and a time to do that. Obviously, there are going to be times when we are to set boundaries, and there are going to be times when we don't set boundaries, and the key is being led by truth and the Spirit of God. We've talked in past episodes in this series about the importance of fastening another person's soul to Jesus Christ. If we're going to live that principle out, sometimes we need to put boundaries in place so that the other person doesn't try to use us as a replacement for running to the feet of Jesus. And I've used the example of Oswald Chambers when he had a woman come up to him and say, I just need to tell you all about myself. He challenged her to go home and tell God all about herself. And then if she still had a question or two, he would be there the next week. So again, just a great example of not fastening that soul to him, but pointing that soul back to Jesus. Another example is Charles Spurgeon. He didn't want to just respond to somebody's emotions. So if somebody said, I need to pour out my heart and get right with God after one of his sessions, one of his messages, he said, wonderful, meet me in my office tomorrow morning at seven o'clock because he knew if it was really the spirit of God working in that person's soul, they would be just as eager to walk through that process the next morning as they would at 12 o'clock at night. So it can feel spiritual to make another person spiritually and emotionally dependent upon us, but the only measure of true success in mentoring is how well we're fastening them or leading them to Jesus Christ, as we've talked about that John the Baptist principle of being the friend of the bridegroom. So when someone begins to cling to you more than to Jesus, I want to give you some practical ways that you can set boundaries in place while still valuing that person and ministering to them in the nature of Christ. And the first way is to help them understand intimacy with Christ. It's important to ask, have they taken their cares to the feet of Jesus? Like Oswald Chambers did, have you ever told God all about yourself? Begin to ask those kinds of questions. Have you poured out your heart to him? Do you know that he's the God of all comfort? Have you cried out to him? Have you unburdened your soul to him? Have you made him your refuge? 
if they say no or they don't seem to really know, begin to talk to them about what that looks like. In order to really build intimacy with Christ, we have to learn how to tune out distractions. We have to remove stumbling blocks to intimacy with Christ, and that could be willful habitual sin or habits and pastimes that are not honoring to Christ or just cluttering up our time with things that don't really have eternal value. So walking through that process with another person of just asking where their lifestyle is at and are they really pursuing intimacy with Christ or do they have a lot of distractions in the way? Do they know how to find a quiet place and build a schedule that allows time for him not to just fit him into their life, but build their life around him? It's also important to help them find promises in the word of God to stand on. Promises like those who seek me diligently will find me. Because when we recognize that the word of God promises that we can have intimacy with Christ, when we remove those things that are standing in the way and we seek him with an undivided heart, that's very exciting. And sometimes those we are mentoring just need to catch a vision for that. So begin to show them what intimacy with Christ looks like. Give examples from your own life. That's a great way that you can set boundaries where you're pointing them to Jesus and not allowing them to just cling to you. Another way is to teach them how to find answers in the word of God. There is a lot of ignorance of the Bible, even in the church today. It's important to show those you are mentoring how to study the Bible. Maybe give examples of what Bible study looks like in your own life. It can be a great idea to learn how to use biblical study tools and then teach those you are mentoring how to use biblical study tools. And there's some great things out there that help you unpack the context in which the verse was written and the Hebrew and the Greek and the actual meaning of different words, etc., or work on scripture memory with them, work on a verse that you guys can memorize together, or encourage them to listen to an audio Bible when they have free time around the house or driving in their car. Teach them to seek answers in the word of God. A lot of modern Christians want to be spoon-fed truth. We need to teach them how to go after truth themselves, go after truth in the word of God as if they're searching for hidden treasure and priceless jewels. It's kind of like the difference between you know that saying that says you can either give a man a or teach him how to fish. It's the same thing. You, you can spoon feed truth to someone and it can be helpful temporarily, but what they really need is to know how to go to the word of God to get those answers themselves. And that can be a process that you walk them through that really helps them learn how to stand on their own two feet when they're struggling with something and need answers in the word of God. Another area to set boundaries is not to allow yourself to be manipulated. This is a very important area to set boundaries in because there are a lot of manipulative people in the church today, which is very sad. While we can still show love and kindness to a manipulative person, it's really important to set boundaries in place so that that person doesn't begin to control us in our decisions and our time. We're actually doing them a disservice if we allow them to manipulate us because we're not teaching them where to go for the answers that they need. And not to mention, we're putting ourselves at risk spiritually because when we're being controlled by someone else, we can't be controlled by the Spirit of God. Some of the ways that people have tried to manipulate me over the years in ministry situations, one would be a crisis or an urgent situation, anything where I have to drop everything right then and tend to the other person's need. Now that can, of course, feel very spiritual, but nine times out of 10, it's more just a tactic of manipulation. 
there might be situations where it really truly is a life or death situation and we do need to drop what we're doing and tend to the situation. I talked in the last episode about my great grandmother who was always serving her community in the Great Depression and there were times when she had to drop what she was doing to go deliver a baby or help someone who was about to die. And of course we need to be available for that. But if someone's just sort of trumping up their situation and making it a crisis, even though it's really not, that is a form of manipulation. When we first began to do Ellerslie, our discipleship training program, we learned in our very first semester that those who sort of put on a big emotional display and acted like, you know, everything was going to come to an end if we didn't tend to their situation right then and there, suddenly everybody that was there was focused on that one person. And so we learned how to take those kinds of situations off to the side and not allow them to control the atmosphere of the entire group. And that was a very important lesson for us right when we were first starting. There were other people over the years who have tried to draw all the attention to themselves. It's always about them. And again, that can be very manipulative as well. And nine times out of 10, like I said, urgency is usually a form of manipulation. A lot of times it's better to do what Charles Spurgeon did and say, meet me tomorrow in my office. So it's like a scheduled time rather than to say, let me just rearrange my entire life right now in this very moment. And that way, emotion and human manipulation are not given a control position. Now, of course, you need to be led by the Spirit of God because there are times when spontaneous ministry is really important. But if you sense a manipulative spirit, that spirit of attention and urgency, then it's much better to schedule it and put boundaries around it. Another way that people have tried to manipulate me is through emotion. Emotion in itself is not wrong, but emotion shouldn't control us or control ministry within the body of Christ. So when girls come to me in the state of emotional meltdown, a lot of times it's because they want to hear a poor you self-pity kind of message. That happened to me recently where someone came to me with tears and this whole big long story of all that they were struggling with. But I sensed that they were trying to let their emotions draw this self-pity out of me. They wanted me to excuse self-pity in their life rather than speaking the truth that they needed. So emotions can be a form of manipulation. They're not bad in themselves, but again, they can be used to manipulate. So we need to be careful and put boundaries there so we don't let someone else's emotions control the situation or control how we respond to them. Over the years, God has had to walk me through many seasons of training, how to be kind and show empathy, but not respond to emotion with emotion. I've had to learn how to respond to emotion with truth. It's not always what the other person wants. A lot of times they want me to get all emotional back (laughs) when they're emotional to me, but truth is always what they need. Now it does say, that we are to show empathy, to mourn with those who mourn. So this is not that we're to be calloused and hard, but we shouldn't allow another person's emotions to control us or control the situation. So for example, when someone is sobbing and saying, I can't do this, I can either respond with a, oh, honey, I'm so sorry for you. You're facing something so difficult. Or I can challenge them, as Catherine Booth used to say, to rise up on the strength of God and resolve to conquer, to say, you can't, but he can. And that is what their soul really needs. Another way that people have tried to manipulate me is through guilt trips, 
things like, I know you don't have time for someone like me, or I've tried to get a meeting with you and you always seem to be too busy. When I know that I'm setting the priorities in my life that God wants me to have, I can't allow myself to be manipulated by guilt trips. Otherwise, very soon, I'll be neglecting my husband, my children, and the other primary things that I'm called to focus on. So I've had to set boundaries and not allow guilt trips or emotions or other forms of manipulation to change God's priorities in my life. One thing that I have found helpful when I'm not able to say yes to someone who wants to meet with me, I'm not able to get together with someone when they want to, if there's a way for me to find an alternative solution to say, well, I can't do this, but here's something you should consider. It goes a long way to show them that I truly do care about them. I'm not just trying to give them the cold shoulder. So one example would be the online mentoring program that we have at setapartgirl.com. That for me is an alternative to sitting down and individually mentoring all the different women that have asked me over the years, since I'm not in a season of life when I can do that, I can do corporate mentoring. So I've made this program where people who want insight and biblical truth for the practical areas of their lives have a way of sort of sitting across the screen from me and hearing those truths being spoken. Maybe not as great as sitting across the table from someone, but still it's an alternative. When I can't say yes, I'm able to at least give them that. And so that's been a real blessing to be able to have that program for those that I can't physically meet with. I would encourage you to prayerfully consider any areas of ministry in which you need to set those healthy Christ-honoring boundaries. Protect the first things, even if it may seem a little unspiritual. The first things are your relationship with Christ, your relationship with those closest to you, And remember that a yes to one thing is a no to another thing. So when you always say yes to certain forms of ministry, you're saying no to other kinds of ministry. There were some ministry leaders that Eric and I met early in our marriage, and they were very regretful because they lost their kids spiritually through always saying yes to ministry opportunities and saying no to their family. And that's a classic example of not setting boundaries and not guarding the first things that God has put in front of us. And of course, it may go without saying, but a lot of us need to set boundaries around distractions and activities, a lot of times social media, or things that are pulling our focus away from what truly matters. So those are some examples of setting healthy boundaries in place when it comes to putting boundaries around a manipulative person. There may come to a point where you just have to walk away from that person. It depends on how responsive they are to the healthy boundaries that you're trying to set. But do not allow these mentoring situations where someone is emotional and manipulative to change the direction of your life or the focus of your priority. And remember, your goal is to point them to Jesus and not make them dependent upon you. Now, very quickly, though, I want to cover this, that on the flip side, there is also a selfish and unhealthy way to handle boundaries. I've seen Christians use boundaries as an excuse to limit what God can do through their lives. We've talked about that idea of being a channel of blessing in the last two episodes. And when I look at what my great grandmother did in the depression, she did not have a lot of boundaries in her life. She was available to her family. She was available to weary travelers. She was available to women who needed their babies delivered. She was available to people dying of scarlet fever. And yet she had a very healthy and balanced 
balanced life. She was very, very joyful. She understood that principle of God working through her to do what was impossible in her own strength. And I think a lot of times if we overdo the boundaries, we can completely miss that miracle that God wants to do through us. My great-grandmother was a wonderful mother. Obviously, she was very good at protecting those first things, and she could have easily stopped there and said, well, I'm doing a good job serving my family. But when someone knocked on her door in need of help, she was willing to drop what she was doing and serve. Now, again, that's only possible with that channel of blessing principle, Christ working through us to do what we cannot do on our own. But I have found that a lot of us as modern Christian women are very self-protective and we don't have the ability to even see God's divine appointments that he may want to put in our path. And I've also seen boundaries become an excuse for laziness or selfishness when it comes to ministry. Eric and I have been in the position at times of being left in the lurch, so to speak, when someone who was working with us dropped the ball on what he or she had committed to and sort of disappeared, you know, go off to be alone and deal with their stress just because they're tired and they want to break. And that's all under the banner of setting boundaries. So maybe they turned off their phone and they just kind of left in the middle of a very critical time because they were feeling stressed out. What should have happened is an open discussion about their stress and a mutual agreement on what would help them get a break without shirking their responsibilities and commitments and putting other people in a stressful situation. So that's sort of an immature response to stress, but we fall into it a lot where we're like, I'm just going to back out of a commitment or let somebody else down in order to protect my own boundaries, rather than just clear communication or godly appeals or retooling the situation in an honoring way. It doesn't mean you should run yourself into the ground if you find yourself in a stressful situation, but it does mean you need to be honoring in how you go about setting boundaries and not just drop the ball on something you've committed to and put someone else in a stressful situation under the banner of setting boundaries. Be sure that your desire to protect boundaries doesn't trump your ability to have your yes be yes and your no be no, that it doesn't override your dependability your responsibility, your faithfulness to others in the body of Christ. I've seen boundaries become an excuse for hoarding selfishly and not being willing to live that poured out life or give sacrificially. There are so many incredible stories that have challenged me throughout Christian history of absolute incredible sacrificial giving. I remember hearing the story of two men in a very cold prison cell and the one man had a very thin blanket and it was all he had as protection against the cold, but he saw the man next to him shivering and turning blue and he thought, if that were Jesus, would I give him my blanket? And of course he said yes. And he immediately took that blanket and wrapped it around the other man's shoulder. Now, boundaries didn't even come into the picture. In his reasoning, he was being called to pour out as Christ poured out for him. And that is so powerful. We need to make sure that we don't become so obsessed with boundaries that we forget what it means to live a poured out life. Darlene Dibler, someone we've talked about on this podcast many times, when she first got to death row, she was terrified. She had nothing. But when she saw that one of her fellow missionaries was in a prison cell without really anything either, she immediately took off the house coat, the warm house coat that she had brought with her and asked one of the guards to give it to the other woman. Again, she wasn't thinking about boundaries. She was thinking about sacrificial love. These were not situations in which God was calling them to set boundaries, but to live that sacrificial poured out life and follow in the footsteps of Jesus. So if we start to make boundaries our guide instead of the spirit of God, we're going to miss the opportunities that we have to be fully poured out for his glory, to love others sacrificially and to walk in his steps. So again, 
think about the difference between healthy boundaries, truth-based boundaries, and counterfeit selfish boundaries. And take these areas of your life prayerfully to God and say, Lord, in what areas do I need to set boundaries so that I'm not being veered off course from your priorities in my life? And in what areas do I need to remove boundaries so that I can love sacrificially, so I can live that poured out life? In closing, I want to encourage you to prayerfully consider how boundaries can help you protect God's priorities as you're mentoring and ministering to others, and also how removing boundaries in your life can cause you to step out of your comfort zone and be a greater example of Christ. The key is being led by the Spirit of God and being fully obedient no matter what He calls us to. In Psalm 74, 17, it says, You set the boundaries of the earth. You made both summer and winter. And if God can set the boundaries of the earth, the healthy boundaries of his creation, he can do the same in our individual lives when we seek him. I pray he leads you and guides you in this area of your life and that you would follow in his footsteps when it comes to setting boundaries and removing boundaries. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. If you'd like to go deeper into living a Christ-centered life, visit us at setapartgirl.com and check out the many resources that we have for you there. I pray you have a blessed and Christ-centered week.